This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. <laughs> Tatum drives down and throws it down! This is my MC! What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 201, episode 201 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like Be Fit, The Wicked Fast Podcast, Chance to Strive, No Limits with Kevin Cooney, Drinks After Work, Eat the Damn Cake, Dirty Flirty and Surviving, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Music You're Missing, and so many other great podcasts. And if you're into sports cards, you can always check out Card Vault Breaks every single day on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and whatnot. You can go check them out in person at the Card Vault down at Patriot Place or down at Foxwoods Resort Casino. And speaking of Foxwoods Resort Casino, go check out the Card Vault Card Show on January 29th, uh, January 28th and 29th. Sorry about that, January 28th and 29th. The Rainmaker Expo Center down at Foxwoods Resort Casino. $10 in advance on Ticketmaster.com or $15 day of show. You can always follow Big Night Media on Instagram at Big Night Media. Check out Timmy Ticket Tuesday for your chance every single Tuesday to win free tickets at Big Night Live. And you can always check out BigNightShop.com. Get your Banner Banter podcast merchandise. Help support the podcast. And speaking of helping and supporting the podcast, this is the last week. With Jack's Abbey as a sponsor of the Banner Banter podcast, um, I really appreciate everyone over at Jack's Abbey helping uh, promote and sponsor the podcast. I really appreciate them. I cannot thank them enough for all the giveaways and help along the way to spread the word, not only about the Banner Banter podcast, but more importantly, the lovely and delicious and crisp 96-calorie light lager called Banner City. Listen, Jack's Abbey does a lot of great work and including perfecting lager practice with their 100% American two-roll barley that makes Banner City so great. Listen, Jack's Abbey is a local microbrewery in Framingham, Massachusetts. What's wrong with going and supporting a local microbrewery not too far away? I mean, right down the Mass Pike, Route Dime, whichever way you find best, you got to go check out Jack's Abbey. Go visit them. They have an amazing facility with a lot of cool Celtics events too, especially for uh, for season ticket holders. So go ahead. Make sure you drink responsibly and raise one to Jack's Abbey Banner City, the official beer of the Boston Celtics. And by the way, speaking of great events, we are going to be doing another watch party with Jack's Abbey on Thursday, January 19th at Studio B, right next to Big Night Live, right next to TD Garden for the Celtics Warriors game. It is a f- free event. Come on down, bring all your friends, obviously 21 plus, and there'll be a lot of Jack's Abbey giveaway, a lot of Banner City beer. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks again to the great people at Jack's Abbey. Okay. 
now that that's all over and done with, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. A lot going on with the Boston Celtics, and I have a lot to say. I got my Ascentia water right here. Hopefully, they're the next sponsor because, God, who doesn't love this overachieving H2O? Did I just sell it? I hope so. Okay. Listen, the Celtics went 2-1 and one this week, or I should say last week, and somehow are still in first place in the Eastern Conference. They are one and a half games up on the Nets, two and a half games up on the Bucks, three games up on the Cavs, four games up on the 76ers, but... Obviously, the thing that stuck out last week was the lost, the lost, really? The loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 150 to 117. The Boston Celtics gave up 150 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder without Shea Gilders Alexander, without their all-star, without their franchise player. Listen, (laughs) just thinking about that game, is so infuriating. That was clearly the most embarrassing loss in a long, long time for the entire franchise of the Boston Celtics. And was there no effort? Yes. Did anyone care? No. Does the blame go all around? Yes. Missoula, Brown, Tatum, Brogdon, freaking Justin Jackson, everyone. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, Noah Vonley got traded. Who cares? We're moving on. Shout out to the kid from Haverhill. We appreciate it. But, like, everyone deserves the blame. They legitimately thought it was going to be easy after Shea Gilders Alexander tested positive for COVID. And this is a small fear that I have about this team. And it's slowly starting to grow, but they're starting to turn into a team that just wants to turn it on and off whenever they want. And that ain't it. And that's not a team that I want to cheer for. Listen, I'm obviously going to cheer for the Boston Celtics till the day I die, but that's not a great look. And listen, We all know that they're better than that, too. They're not a team that's just going to turn it on and off whenever they want, but that's kind of what they've shown over the last, let's just say, 15 games or so, give or take. And listen, I sound like a broken record, and I've been saying it for weeks, and this is a perfect example of, like, this Thunder game is the perfect example. The Celtics don't like to be hunted. The Oklahoma City Thunder went into this game after they found out that their all-star, their franchise player, wasn't going to play. They said, we're young, we're hungry, we don't care who's not on the court with us. You're going to have to beat us on our, on our home court. And they were just like, hold my Banner City beer and watch this. And listen, we all know this team, whenever they have a big lead, they kind of just put it in cruise control and chill. And you saw that in the Spurs game on Saturday night where they almost lost the game to the Spurs where I would have literally had a conniption. Because, I mean, the fact that number 12 and Romeo Lankford were on the same... F- on the floor at the same time together on different teams. Holy, sh- holy shit. I thought my head was going to combust. But you can't just chill against the 76ers or the Nets or the Cavs or the Bucks or the Heat or anyone that's good over in the Western Conference. That will eat you alive in the playoffs. This team has to be 100% all the time. Because what happens when you try to turn it on and the batteries run out or the electricity's out, whatever the case may be, and then you lose, and then you can lose your division, you could lose a tiebreaker, you could lose home court in the regular season, like all those things that matter so much in the playoffs. And all the players, this this is the thing that like really drives me nuts. The entire media day and every single thing that we've heard so far this season, everyone has always been talking about, we know what, what it takes to get there. Really? Because that Thunder game wasn't it. That Thunder game is how you don't get back there. So... Between that and then the other thing that really 
bothers me. You know, Celtics Twitter is a wild place. It, it's it's got its highs and me, oh my, oh me, oh my. I should say, does it have its lows? Everyone always blames the coach, and I get it. His lack of timeouts not ideal. His rotations, I get it. Youngest coach in the NBA right now. All the excuses, blah, 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 blah. But let's say the players just ignored Joe and be like, hey, you didn't prep us right for this game. Why can't Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford go out on the floor and beat the Thunder? Why? I'm like, they know what it takes, or at least that's what they're telling us. They're all adults. Like, this isn't a young team anymore. Are they young technically because, you know, Jason Tatum's still 19 or whatever the case may be? But, like, these guys have been in the league five, six years. Al Horford's been in the league since, like, Vietnam. These guys know what it takes to win, and they didn't do that. So should Joe Mazzulla do a better job? Sure. Yep. Is it okay to crit- criticize the player sometimes, too, and it's sometimes it's not always all the, on the coach? Yes, that's true, too. But whatever the fuck that was last week in Oklahoma City – we better never see again this season or else that's wildly concerning. That should, oh, <coughs> excuse me. Thinking about that gets me choked up because that was embarrassing. And then thankfully the Celtics got back to their old Celtics ways. What? Two nights later in Dallas against the Mavericks, a team that won seven games in a row and they beat them one four, uh, 124 to 95, 29 assists, 11 turnovers, 37% from three, defended the Mavs very well, who shoot the three-point ball not only a lot, but very well. But the ball movement was there. It was zipping around. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. And there wasn't a lot of iso basketball, and that's what this team needs. The second this team goes to iso ball, they're not great. They're just good. But when the ball moves around, they are great. Like Tony the Tiger, great. They're awesome. I mean, listen, Tatum got a triple-double in that Mavs game. But the thing is, six guys scored in double figures on the road. Four from the starters, two from the bench. Number 12 and Malcolm Brogdon. Like, let's go. That's what you want to see. That's what you need. You defend well. You push the ball up the court. You move the ball around. You hit your open shots. You don't turn the ball over. And everyone gets involved. I Like, I love it. And I'm trying to think. The Spurs game, they won 121-116. It should have never gotten that close. But there was a lot of great things to take away from that game. It was a nice way to end the road trip. And now they come back for two home games before another quick road trip. So obviously we'll talk, we'll get more in depth about these upcoming games. But the first game is tonight, if you're listening on Monday, against the Chicago Bulls at 7.30 p.m., which I will talk about you know, again later on the podcast. Then you have the Pelicans, who are one of the top teams in the Western Conference on Wednesday at TD Garden at 7.30. And then Thursday night... Unfortunately, it's the second night of a back-to-back, but you go to Brooklyn, and you play the Brooklyn Nets, arguably the hottest team in the NBA right now, at 7.30 p.m. in Brooklyn on TNT. And then a little weekend trip for two games down in Charlotte, 7 p.m. on Saturday, 1 p.m. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday afternoon. I will be at both of those games, a little birthday trip. It should be a lot of fun, but the podcast will not be out next Monday. It will be out next Tuesday because... That's when I fly back from Charlotte. So 12 p.m. next Tuesday will be episode 202 of the Banner Banter Podcast because I will be in Charlotte for the two games against the Hornets. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And for those of you that know me very well, I'm also a big NASCAR fan. I also have a NASCAR podcast called the Wicked Fast Podcast, and I will be at the NASCAR Hall of Fame on Sunday. I'm very much looking forward to it. But 
I'm trying to think. What else do we have to talk about from last week? Um, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Marcus Smart left the game on Saturday night against the Spurs with a knee injury. Gary Washburn tweeted this after the game. Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. Good. Uh, he's a very strict but fair um, he keeps it 100. I, I I like Gary Washburn. He's obviously followed the league for a long time. He's a good Boston Globe reporter. He tweeted this out about Marcus Smart. Uh, he said, Marcus Smart said that the x-rays came back negative. They are going to do an MRI today. Today being Sunday. I am recording this right now at 12 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. So sorry if this isn't 100% up to date if you are listening to this on Monday. But Marcus said that um, Zach Collins' knee hit him right below the left knee and it kind of felt numb he's walking but it is a slow walk so this may mean marcus smart may miss a few games obviously marcus smart is a warrior we all know that he'll fight through a lot of injuries but it is a long season and you need marcus smart late in the playoffs not in the middle of january so i'm obviously hoping for the best but he may miss some important games this week for the celtics the bulls game important pelicans game important the nets game important the hornets games eh, not so much well i'll be there so they're, they're obviously super fucking important but um there's one other thing that i wanted to talk about before obviously we get into stud and dud of the week and that is the all-star voting and what i'm about to say may piss some people off and to be honest with you i don't care i'm not big into accolade uh, accolades or, or anything like that like obviously if you make first team all nba that's a big deal obviously when finals mvp that's a big deal I'm more about Banner 18 than I am about All-Star Games and the MVP and Player of the Month and Player of the Week and Coach of the Week and Rookie of the Year. I'm not a big fan of it. Obviously, it's great and it's awesome to have on the resume. It's obviously awesome to watch, you know, if a Celtics player wins Rookie of the Year. It's it's great to see. But the first batch of the 2023 All-Star Game that's going to be held in Utah, the first batch of All-Star voting came out. And let's be honest, Jalen Brown was not in the top three. I think he was fourth, but he was never going to make it on votes due to the other guards in front of him, the popularity of other guards in the Eastern Conference, like, you know, the James Hardens and the Kyrie Irvings and the Donovan Mitchells. Those guys just are bigger globally uh, than Jalen Brown is. That's not a shot at Jalen Brown. But listen, Jalen Brown will be an all-star this year. He'll be picked by the media, the players, the coaches. So he's all good there. But here is my hot take. Jason Tatum is currently fourth in the front court. And listen, of course, Jason Tatum will make the team. He'll be voted in by the media, the players, and the coaches. So Jason Tatum is going to make the all-star team, and I'm not concerned about that. But I do not want Jason Tatum to be an all-star starter. I do not want him to be in the top three of the Eastern Conference for the voting in the front court. I don't want it to happen. Let Giannis and Durant and Embiid have it. And listen, I'm not saying he's worse than any of them, not as popular as any of them, because this year you could say it goes Tatum, Durant, Giannis, or Embiid, or Durant, Tatum, Giannis, and Embiid. In any order, you want to phrase it. But here's my thing. I don't want Jason Tatum to make the all-star starters and get voted in, because I think it will piss him off to no end. And if you remember a couple seasons ago when Jason Tatum didn't make the All-NBA team and lost a shitload of money, he came back and he was really pissed off. Well, now you have an MVP candidate in Jason Tatum, a top five, top six player in the league. Not a starter at the All-Star game? For the second half of the season, you're going to give me a pissed-off Jason Tatum? For for the playoffs, you're going to give me a pissed-off Jason Tatum? Oh, you didn't want to vote me in? Oh, I'm not an all-star starter? Watch this. Watch me just 
scorch the NBA. That's why I don't want Jason Tatum to make the team because I think Jason Tatum, as great as he is, loves all the um, I can never say that word. Loves all the stupid little things that NBA players love that fans may not love as much. And I would love for Jason Tatum to be like, wait, what? I'm an MVP candidate and I'm not a starter in the All-Star game? Fuck all of you. Watch this. And he just takes over the league, and we raise Banner 18. That's what I want. And if that's too hot of a take, so be it. I don't care. Let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 201 of the Banner Banter Podcast. The stud of the week, I know it should be Jason Tatum. He had a triple-double, he dropped 30 points, but he stunk against the Thunder, and I'm just holding it over his head, and I want him to be pissed off he wasn't stud and dud of the week on the Banner Banter Podcast, just like he's going to be pissed off if he's not a starter for the All-Star Game. Anyways, the stud of the week for episode 201 of the Banner Banter Podcast is Malcolm Brogdon. Listen, you know what I always... I've been saying listen a lot. Like, no shit you're listening. Read the room, Tim. That's all that they're doing. They can't see you. You got a face for radio. But anyways, Malcolm Brogdon. I know that I always say that Jalen Brown is the most important player on this Boston Celtics team, and I will for forever say that until he's for, for as long as he's on this team. Well, Malcolm Brogdon is pretty close up there. If Jason Tatum's number two behind Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon could be three or four, depending on where you want... There it is. There's the burp. God damn it. I really, I was doing a good job like 15 minutes in. Anyways, here's the thing. Malcolm Brogdon is so important because he obviously sets the tone off the bench. He's reliable and he's needed. And during a little 10-game stretch from when the Celtics beat the living shit out of the Phoenix Suns to the most recent Rockets game right after Christmas, Malcolm Brogdon averaged 12 points and four assists. Nothing great. Not really what you're expecting. They were 5-5 five and five during that time. Yawn. But in the three games this week, he scored double digits in every single game. He scored 23 against the Spurs, including 7 assists, 15 points against the Mavs, and 17 points against the Thunder. I know, yawn, who cares about the Thunder game. But this week, he averaged 16 points, 4 assists, and 6 boards, and shot 50% from 3. And to me, I feel like Malcolm Brogdon... When he missed that game or two with that illness, he kind of lost his confidence. And now his confidence is back. And that's huge because these three games this week are very important to the Celtics, I believe. I think it's a tough little stretch for them. And it's going to make us really forget about that five and seven stretch that they went on for a little bit in December and early January. I really and truly believe that. And if Malcolm Brogdon's confidence is back and with Marcus Smart being hurt, That is going to be vital going forward if Marcus Smart misses a couple games because you could go to a starting lineup of Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and the Time Lord. And listen, the Time Lord was incredible this week. I thought he was great. He set the tone in that Spurs game. His energy was unbelievable. That block shot, 
that blocked three point shot where he got the ball and dribbled it in. That was incredible. The, like it was unbelievable. It was awesome to watch. Rob is getting healthier and healthier, feeling more and more confident, and I like the energy that he has coming off the bench. So if you want to put number twelve back in the starting lineup, do that as well. And then you have Malcolm and Rob coming off the bench. Those are two really, really good players that not a lot of NBA teams have coming off the bench. And again, Rob's energy is great. I don't need Rob starting yet. Maybe when the playoffs start, but right now, the way that it's working, Rob has been playing well. I don't want to beat the shit out of him like Ime did last year with his knee. So, Malcolm Brogdon, 16 points, 4 assists, and 6 boards while shooting 50% from 3 off the bench. You're the stud of the week, dud. Stud, yeah, stud of the week. I, I I literally just said stud of the week, dud, when I meant to say you're the stud of the week, bud. So congratulations to Malcolm Brogdon on winning stud of the, uh, getting these prestigious stud and dud of the week of the Banner Banter podcast. And the dud of the week is Al Horford. And it's just for two reasons. Listen, Al just didn't have, the, the first one is, I said, listen again. What the fuck, Tim? Stop saying that. The first is, he just didn't have a good week. Five points. Five boards per game, shot 20% from three. Just really didn't do much on the floor, like box score-wise. We, of course, know Al is, every single time he's on the floor, he's very important for every single possession on both ends. Setting screens, calling out screens, making that extra pass. I bet you Al Horford this past week had one million hockey passes. Just that extra pass that no one gets credit for. And I'm sure that there's some NBA stat website that does have that information that I just don't know of. Let me know if there is. But I just want a little bit more out of him. And listen, I know it's a long season. I just said it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, folks, that I keep telling you to listen like I'm your parent. But Al doing a little bit more is going to be key. A couple extra rebounds, a couple extra points can take the stress off of some of the other players. I think that would be great. I really and truly do. And then the other reason that Al Horford is the dud of the week for episode 201. He took his first free throw since November 14th in the Mavs game on Thursday. He took his first free throw since November 14th. What? When I saw that, my jaw hit the floor. Like, come on, man. You're Al Horford. You know how to get to the line. And you're a good free throw shooter. Get to the line. But overall, Al Horford, you know I love you. But unfortunately, just didn't have the great week. She had the dud of the week. Oh, and by the way, number 12, don't think I saw your goose eggs this week on the box score. I saw them. I ain't going to forget it. But anyways, um, let's close out this podcast by talking about the upcoming games this week for the Boston Celtics. The first one is tonight, TD Garden, 7.30 p.m. against the Chicago Bulls. And it won't be easy. And it's not because, you know, this year the Celtics are 1-2 and two against them and they, their only win came at home by four points after being up a whole lot. But it's because in the last few weeks, the Chicago Bulls have been a little bit of a shitstorm lately. And then for the last week, or 10 days, give or take, I think they heard all that noise and said, fuck that, watch us now. And they ended the Nets 12-game win streak. They beat the 76ers. They only lost to the Cavs by one on the road. And they also just beat the Utah Jazz, who's been playing very well and is currently a playoff team. And the big reason behind that is Zach Levine. He has scored 77 points in their last two games, including 17 of 25 from three, which is fucking ridiculous. 
He is playing like max contract all-star Zach Levine, which can cause problems for the Celtics team, especially if you don't lock up defensively and if Marcus Smart is not playing with his knee injury. Everyone has to step up, and that especially means Jalen Brown. Because, listen, I didn't dive deep into Jalen Brown's defensive rating this year, but just based on the eye test, Jalen Brown hasn't been good on the defensive end this year for the Boston Celtics, especially off the ball, but definitely not on ball. And the Bulls play a lot of ISO ball. They have the sixth least amount of assists in the last five games in the NBA while they've been on this little streak. And listen, they've been playing very well. They have the second best three-point shooting in those five games in across the league, but they don't pass the ball a lot. They only average like 22 assists a game. And if I had a Chicago Bulls podcast, I would lose my mind. Only 22 assists a game? That's insane. But the other thing about this team, minus, you know, defending their great players like DeMar DeRozan and um, Vujicic and Patrick Williams and Zach Levine and the list goes on and on. You have to rebound against this team. Of course, you got to watch out for DeMar Rosen's elbow jumper. You know, as much as we love Jalen's uh, mid-range game, he is light years away from what DeMar Rosen is. And the Celtics need to win this game because I think they need to beat another team that's hot to give them a little bit more swag, a little bit more confidence. And right now, the Bulls are kind of a hot team right now. I mean, they beat the Mavs, the Mavs, what, six in a row, seven in a row? But you've had trouble with this Bull team. You hopefully don't see him again this year because we've already played him three times. And if you beat him again, you split the season series 2-2. You love to see it. So it won't be an easy one at TD Garden. I'm not going to be there. I have my company holiday party. I'm very upset. I hate missing Celtics games with every ounce of my soul, but it is what it is. And then Wednesday, the Pelicans come to town. They fly in. (laughs) And it's kind of sad because... I love Zion Williamson. I'm a Duke guy. I went to the Duke game over the weekend at County Forum. A lot of Duke fans. Just glad they won because I was too close for comfort. But Zion has never played in Boston since he's been drafted in the NBA. He's always been hurt. And right now he currently is hurt with a hamstring injury, and it's annoying. And speaking of injuries for this Pelicans team, arguably their other best player, Brandon Brandon Ingram, another Duke guy, He's also out. He's been dealing with a toe issue for the last two, three weeks, maybe even longer. Um, but the Pelicans hope he will be back during this five-game road trip that they're on that actually starts on or yesterday in Washington against the Wizards. So he, he could be back. but And that, of course, will change things and how the Celtics will play this game. But if he's not back, the Pelicans have lost four out of, the last, four out of their last five, and they're going on a five-game road trip. So... This is a good time to steal a win against one of the stronger Western Conference teams for sure. And of course, you would love to have Marcus back um, because CJ McCollum's on the floor. He's been great for this uh, Pelicans team ever since he got traded from the Trailblazers. He gets to his spots, shoots the ball very well. And they and the Pelicans have a lot of great defenders too. They switch a lot. Um, you know, they obviously have Valanciunas, who's a beast on the boards. Herbert Jones, good defender. Larry Nance Jr., good defender and a good rebounder. And listen, over the last... Oh my god, I did it again. Hey, check it out. The Pelicans over the last 10 games have the 7th uh, best defensive rating, but a bottom 10 offense. So if the Celtics can be locked in defensively against this Pelicans team and continue to move the ball around, you can win this game. Just don't let the Pelicans set up this half-court defense, and you should be in good shape. Earlier this year, the Celtics beat them uh, down in New Orleans. Marcus Smart didn't play that game. Tatum went 2 of 10 from 3. So if everyone can step up a little bit and Marcus Smart still doesn't play, this is a team that you can beat. And then finally, we have the Nets and the Hornets. 
just real quick about the two games down in Charlotte that I'm excited to go to um, just before we get into the Bucks game. The Hornets are 2-5 and five in their last seven games, but their last two games th- that they've won has been against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who absolutely just recently destroyed you. Uh, they're also tied for second for the second lowest amount of wins in the NBA, and this is one of those games where the Celtics can't just go through the motions. They can't turn it on whenever they feel like it. They have to play this game 100%. Gordon Hayward's been out with an injury. Kelly Oubre isn't playing anytime soon. He's always obviously been a Celtics killer. But if you rebound the ball against this team and you don't let Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball... Is LaMelo? Yeah. Lonzo's on the Bulls. Yeah, LaMelo Ball. Go off shooting the ball. You'll be good. I'm not worried about P.J. Washington or Jaden McDaniels. They're good, young, long, lengthy, athletic players. But that's it. They're not as good as Jalen and Jason. That's that. Their bench is blech at best. Please give me two wins for my birthday. And just in general, for the love of God. And then we have the Nets game. And I'm going to talk about the Nets game for a little bit. And I know this is going to be a longer podcast than usual. But this Nets game, biggest game of the season so far. Seriously. This will put up the Celtics 2-0 and in the season series since we beat them earlier in the season on December 4th. And you're guaranteed at least a tie in any tiebreaker scenario. Which then would go to best division record and... I don't know what the Nets division record is right now, and I kind of don't care. But since November 27th, the Brooklyn Nets have been on fire. Uh, they started off the season 10 and 11, and then November 27th happened, and now they're 26 and 13. They've won 16 out of their last 18 games. But one of those losses was to YOU, the Boston Celtics. In the last 15 games, the Nets have scored the second most points per game at 120 points per game, shooting a league best 53% from the field and a league best 43% from three. But they suck at rebounding. They really and truly do. Bottom four in offensive rebounding. Bottom 10 in overall rebounding. So Jalen, Jason, Al, Rob, Malcolm, Derek, Hauser, number 12. Listen, rebound against this team. Please, if you can't give the Brooklyn Nets second chance points and you limit someone like Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, um... Seth Curry, Kyrie Irving, all these, uh, Royce O'Neal, all these players, like, least amount of opportunity as possible to put the ball in the basket, you can beat the Nets. Rebound. Like, Jason Tatum, the other night against the Nets, got what? I mean, uh, against the Mavs, got what? 14 rebounds? Do that again. And Jalen, get 14 more as well. Like, everyone has to be involved rebounding the ball against this team. But the other thing that... Obviously, the offense has been unreal over the last 18, 15, 16, 17, 18 games for the Nets. Their defense, they've locked in defensively. They can switch. They got all the, uh, they got some athletic guys on that team. So whatever Jacques Vaughn is doing, it's working for this team defensively. In the last 15 games, the Celtics have the third best defensive rating in the NBA, which is crazy to think about since they allowed 150 to the fucking Thunder. But right behind them in fifth, the Brooklyn Nets. And listen, oh my God, I did it again. I'm so sorry. Kevin Durant is doing Kevin Durant things, why he's one of the greatest players this league has ever seen. In the last 10 games, he's shooting 30, I'm sorry, he's scoring 30 points per game, 56% from the field, 45% from three, and 97% from the free throw line. Jalen Brown wish he could do that. And oh yeah, by the way, Kyrie Irving, 27 points a game, 50% from the field, 
43.8% from three and 90% shooting from the free throw line. What these two are doing right now is insane. It's just kind of like Jalen and Jason, but more efficient. It's wild. But the key to this game, in my opinion, is Claxton versus Time Lord. But the question that goes into that is, since it's, since it's a second night of the back-to-back, what are the Celtics going to do? Clearly, Rob's not going to be playing in back-to-backs. At least, I don't think. Maybe I'll be wrong. But Al doesn't. So will Al play on Wednesday and Rob doesn't play on Wednesday? And then Rob plays on Thursday and Al sits out on Thursday? Or will Brad go up to Al and be like, hey, man, listen, we'll give you Saturday off against the Hornets. That way you'll get Thursday, I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. We'll give you three days off if you can play this one back-to-back game. But Claxton has been playing the best basketball of his career lately, causes havoc, just like the way Time Lord does. So in my opinion, whichever young athletic big Claxton or Time Lord causes more havoc, that is going to be the difference maker in this game. And I honestly believe that if Time Lord has a better game than Claxton or vice versa, that team will win. And I'm hopeful that it's the Time Lord. And I've talked way too long in this podcast, longer than usual. So as always, thank you so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thanks so much for Jack's Abbey for sponsoring the podcast for the last handful of weeks. And we will talk to you next Tuesday at 12 p.m. And if you're going down in Charlotte, hit me up on the social medias and we can link up. It'll be a lot of fun. I'll be in Charlotte. Should be a good time. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.